The wait has ended. PGATour.com now has fantasy one and done. No other fantasy format has gained as much attention as this one. Here's how it works. It's totally free. Select one golfer per tournament. Once he's played, he's unavailable for the rest of the year. Sign up now at fantasygolf.pgatour.com. I did a little tinkering with my Callaway Epic Driver this weekend in Northern Ireland. I put the Sub-Zero head in with a lighter shaft. My trads just got dialed in, was hitting these low bullets that were just rolling out on these Lynx fairways. I'm even more in on this thing. I'm here to tell you about the trip with Jamie Kennedy. Let's do it. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. I'm Chris Solomon and joined today by Mr. Jamie Kennedy from the European Tour, social media expert. He He runs the show over there. We just got back from an epic trip in Northern Ireland playing Royal County Down, Royal Port Rush, and Port Stewart. Jamie, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, man. How's the farm? How's the farm? <laughs> so we learned we learned this phrase. Or, or tell me the story about this. Yeah, about, I, feel, I feel like I have to tell the story because I think it can stick the way that I see it, but it's not the way that everyone else sees it. Okay. I was uh, so kind of the inspiration for this trip happened. I worked the 2015 Irish Open back uh, at County Down when Rory took it back there with his foundation, and. Uh, I spent like eight days in the Newcastle area and we were going out into the bars and running the event and all these uh, Northern Irishmen kept coming up to me and asking, how's the farm? And I'd, I just go along with it. I smile and nod at them and chat to them. But And I was sure they were saying, how's the farm? Like, how's, how's your land? How's your area? How's your family? Which makes a lot of sense to me. So I started saying it to everyone. I came back to London, was saying it to people, trying to get it to stick back here. And then we've got a, an Irish guy in the office, and he said, what is it you're actually saying? And I was like, I was like how's the farm? You know, how's, how's your farm doing? And he's like, no, that's their accent. They're asking, how's the form? Like, how are you doing? And so I was like, oh, God, I've got about 95 Northern Irishmen to apologize to. But, uh, but, we, but we, I think we both agree that it, it could make sense. Like, how's the farm? How's your area? So we're going to try and make it stick. Well, doubling down on that, you, you told the story to me. And I hear forum with, with your Scottish accent. So you're telling the story of how you got it wrong. You're telling it to me, and I still had it wrong. I was about to, like, t- to every Irish person I knew say, how's your forum, as if that means something. And I would have made it equally as much as a fool of myself as you did. So thank you for teaching me that. I think there's one day where we were asking, how, how, how is it that we look like tourists here? I think we've just figured that out. <laughs> Everywhere we did walk, it was it, it, we must have stuck out like sore thumbs. Probably might have been my bright blueberry pants, but uh, yeah. I'm not sure exactly. But uh, So we kind of threw this trip together a bit last minute. It was pretty miraculous that we were able to get tee times on all three courses. I think perhaps even more miraculous was the weather that we got. Yeah, I keep hearing that you everywhere you go, you bring sunshine with you. So I'm not afraid to go- jinx it. I'm not even afraid to jinx it anymore. No, my, my golf tip for anyone looking to plan a trip is just to get you along, just to invite you. Even if you don't play, just come and have have him as a four-caddy or something. He seems to bring the sun. <laughs> I like it. I'm in support. Uh, so you had been to County Down for the Irish Open, as you mentioned. Uh, you was playing it. Uh, how different of an experience was that, and did it meet the hype for you? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, having spent eight days there and with all the infrastructure and seeing the event, it was really tough weather that week, so the players got beat up. I think I think Rory shot 80 in the first round, and Soren Kielsen won it. Two, I think he maybe two under and made it to a playoff. So, I, and everyone knows about it being difficult, but it's definitely one of those courses that you want to go back and play. There's so many the sand dunes and the heather and the the gorse that's all around the bunkering. It's just one of these courses you just want to go back to your club. So, I've, I mean, it's been. I mean, you talk about it being the number one course in Europe in some ratings, number four in the world, somewhere around there. And, you know, those are sort of bucket list courses that you, get, you have to go back to. So I was pumped to get back and glad we could work out last minute to go. And despite you trying to fly in late and miss our tea time, we made it. And it was a hell of a day. That was not my fault. That was EasyJet's fault. Uh, first of all, flying EasyJet is hilarious because every time you do it, you basically have to wait until the last minute, and the plane arri- the, the plane from the previous flight arrives, and I'm sitting there, and like I almost didn't make it before my gate closed, and then I got to sit there for like 20 minutes before a plane even arrives. I knew we were going to be late, so I land at like two something, and I'm just speeding through passport control, doing everything I can. They're asking me a ton of questions. I've never been asked so many questions. The guy, the, there's like a family of six Australian people in front of me, and they are just hearing the whole family story. I got selected to have my bag searched. The second, and I got questioned again. He's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm here to play golf." I'm like, "Where are you going?" I'm like, "County down." Like, "What time's your tea time?" I was like, "In like 45 minutes." He's like, "Oh, you won't make it." I'm like, "Yeah, because you won't let me go." So I come sprinting out of the airport, just throw the bags in the car, and we made a dash for it. We made, we were only we teed off maybe 20 minutes after our tea time, and they were really flexible for us. Yeah, they were good. I think I think the best drive any of us had all all week was probably that drive. We made it in pretty good time, and like you say, we called them and. And they just said, whenever you get here, we'll we'll figure out. And and that's not to say they weren't busy. I think they had some people before us. But as soon, as, I mean, we pulled up and parked right outside the clubhouse, and there was about four, a couple of suits and uh, a caddy waiting there to shake our hands almost as soon as we opened the door. So we got some good service. Yeah, we got some great treatment. We went with um, a four caddy. So we this was the only round we didn't get to play with a member. Um, and so you you came up with the bright idea of of hiring a four caddy. It turned out to be a great decision. We had Steven. I think he plays off plus one or plus two, and he had to be frustrated watching us hack it around uh, for all afternoon. But uh, it was awesome having him around to show us lines. I think that was a course that definitely you you wanted somebody to help point out where to hit it. Do you agree? Oh, definitely, definitely. I think depending on what tees you play off, the lines are all different. Um, and even when you can see the fairway, and see, especially see the greens, knowing which side to miss it on and things like that was was crucial. But I was thinking about it a bit more today, and I don't think Stephen is great and gave us tons of tips for where to eat that night and all the way around, and uh, he was super the whole way. Um, but I don't think he'd make it as a tour pro caddy because I keep remembering him I mean, he has quite negative thoughts. I remember, obviously, there's the seventh hole, but I think it was on one of the first holes, and it's, I think it's, actually, I think it might be eight, and the sort of uh, green's perched up, and it runs down on both sides of the of the green, and I'd miss, I'd hit my drive miles left. I was over another green, having to apologize to some of the members as I sort of looked for my ball, found it, then I said to Stephen, you know, which side can I miss it on? Obviously, I'm out of position, and he just looked at me like dead face and was like, you can't miss it on either side. <laughs> I had I had like 180 yards over a different fairway into a wind out the rough, and he's telling me I can't miss it. So anyway, I missed it big and didn't get up and down. But he tells it the way it is, I guess. And uh, 
I'm sure we'll probably get onto the seventh hole at some point. But those first few holes are great. You sort of play out to to the far side of the course. Um, real variety in holes. You know, it's quite odd to start with par five and then a couple of really good par fours, really good second shots into those ones that you have to try and judge. Uh, they were into the wind and then we didn't get to play the fourth hole from the very back tee which is a sort of famous view of Royal County down I had a photo of Alex Norn that I wanted to recreate and uh, we didn't get to go back up there we got to take a look at it but that hole played a little bit differently but I think I think we got a lot of flack on your periscope for not playing it all the way back but I'm, I'm sure you'll agree that we played it as far back as we could and we asked if we could go back <laughs> yeah. the, on the fourth hole. We really wanted yeah. to play the fourth hole from further back because it was only like a, about a seven iron for us. But and those guys play it like a hybrid or two iron or whatever they've got from from two twenty. Uh, yeah. Usually plays into the wind if I remember right. But um, yeah, the we the tees were rather pretty far up in general, and there were no back tees set up. So we we played the the furthest back tees there were, and we did not have permission to go further back dangerously close to the red tees on some of the uh, holes. <laughs> so a lot of pictures. I had to be really careful about any pictures or videos that were shared because it looks like we're basically playing from the red tees on a few occasions. Yeah, I think if I if I share any more of the photos that I've got, I've still got a backlog of them. I'm going to have to Photoshop out some of the tees. I was going to say, you you got Photoshop background. You can make those like blue or black or something, right. can't you? Yeah, I can make it work. I can maybe stretch out the fairway and make it look a little further as well. There you go. So... Uh, I do want to talk about the seventh hole because that was oh, our course. our most proud moment. We'll I think. always have the we'll seventh. We'll always have the seventh. <laughs> so we roll up to the seventh tee. I don't know much about this hole. There's no there's no far, far back tee. This is a short hole for the pros as well. It was only about what was it, about a buck twenty for us or something like that. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because that yeah that hole I think it can only it's quite similar to the length of uh, seventeen at Sawgrass to put it in perspective for people that they can't move it any further back than one hundred and forty five or else they go back onto the seventh hole. So we played it I think from about one thirty ish or so. Um, but for the Irish Open, I remember it really vividly because it was this tee that sort of the fans couldn't get very close because it's in amongst holes. But they had a huge stand behind the green. And they had a really tough wind that was going strong right to left. And there was one hole, there was one day, I think it might have been the first day, uh, Rory had tried to hit in this sort of punch eight iron or something and double crossed it, hit it left, hit it into a different fairway. And we were working in the media center. So we're, you know, seeing this shot. I'm just amazed. So we radioed out to one of the guys walking to ask how far his second shot was. And he had 58 yards (laughs) for his second shot. So that's how far left he went. And, and maybe speaks into what Stephen was about to tell us when we stood up on that tee as to how difficult the hole can be, although it's not that long. So this is when we got introduced to Stephen's directness, and that he was <laughs> the hard. We walk up to it, it; it looks rather calm, the hole. And he's like, "This is the the shortest par four in the world." Uh, he says, "Tiger was it? Tiger Woods has never parred this hole." Yeah, yeah, that was his intro as well as I think one of us was walking it off, saying, "Oh, it's one forty-seven from that back tee." Uh, to which he immediately replied, it's 147 yards of hell. <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe it's my hindsight because that I, it just didn't look that difficult to me. It's kind of, but it's, it's like a, if you go long on this hole, you're completely done. I mean, it, yeah, it, the, 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 it, I don't know how far it runs off, but you're, you're, that's probably how you end up with 58 yards in. I think there's, a, there's quite a lot of holes on this trip that you think of, oh, if I could go back there, I would have played it differently and I would have played it better. This is one of the holes that if we'd gone back, we definitely wouldn't have played it any better because as soon as you saw what was beyond the pin, I think we would have all missed the green. We would have been terrified, yeah. That's yeah, one yeah. Of the, if you know what's there, that's one of the, the holes we, we benefited from not knowing what was out there because you, you got up first, 
yeah. hit one off the bank just right of the flag, and it, it ricochets towards the stick and rolls up to what, 12 feet? How far did you have for birdie? Yeah, I, I, I was about 15 feet short. I debate whether it came off the bank or not, but I'll, I'll let you go with that. God. <laughs> testing my memory here it's been a few days and there were a lot of Guinness after that round but, uh, I got up hit my maybe my shot of the trip I definitely hit it off the bank and it rolled up to about two feet you guys made me putt it which that's fine I'll, I'll, I'll let that go and then Keith Keith Patterson our third uh, the third guy on our trip as well sorry Keith you didn't we couldn't three-way three-way you into this call but he got up there. He knocked it to like 15 feet, and we just start just letting it rain on Stephen. I mean, <laughs> good-natured banner, obviously, but we were rubbing it all in his face that we had dominated this hole. Uh, we managed to play it in one under, and that's where we t- – and then this is every, – everywhere I've been with you socially, un- unscheduled or un- unbeknownst to me when we start the day, you have somewhere in your bag had alcohol handy ready to share – and at that yeah. moment, we had a toast uh, to with some whiskey to that, playing that hole in one under par. Yeah, it doesn't come out very much. You're making me sound like an alcoholic here, but I had, I had, uh, I'd packed ahead of the trip, knew this was going to be a bit of a bucket list once in a lifetime trip for us. So I had a little flask that I'd been given and put some Irish whiskey in it, and thought if we ever have moments we want to remember that we should toast it with uh, an appropriate style. So we all had a wee nip there before we teed off an eight and. Uh, as I think I mentioned earlier, I snap hooked my tee shot in eight, so it's probably not <laughs> not the not the best juice for for making birdies, maybe. Yeah, I think well, we'll get to Port Rush in a second, but County Down for me was a course that it, it, as soon as I was done playing it, I was like, all right, if I got another shot at this, I would I would play it differently and play it so much better. I didn't feel the same way necessarily after after Port Rush. It wasn't like the course tricked me or anything. I just felt like. There is a ton of strategy that goes into County Down. Some of that was taken out for us because of where the tees were. We were hitting a lot of irons off tees, which was really fun. Um, but, I mean, I was playing from the middle of every fairway except one of them, and I shot 83. Like, I just yeah, you, couldn't dial it in. Couldn't. I was not hitting in the right spots. Yeah, you drove the ball uh, unbelievably there. I, I kept finding – I wasn't driving it terribly, but I definitely wasn't hitting as many fairways as you were, and I missed the – I just got into that sort of first cut of rough, and it's one thing I'll remember is just how difficult it is to read the rough. I mean, you have to. Stephen was there, and he'd he'd tell you that looks like a flyer, or this isn't going to come out. But you have to go all or nothing on whether you think it's going to jump or not. I think one of the early holes, he said it's about 200 yards, but I think you can hit a six iron there. I hit a seven iron and hit it right down the pin, but it came out a little low, and it you know, chased miles through the green. But and then other holes, if you just catch it a little low in the face and get it spinning it obviously comes up short so tough to judge and and like i said it's uh definitely a course you'd like to go back on i think the second shots on the golf course are just great um a lot of different shots you can hit off the tee i can think of so many holes where we spent time on the tee trying to debate what we're going to hit and it could have been it could have been a three iron or four iron or three wood and the wind plays havoc with it but I think one of the things I remember about it is is bunkering as well. The bunkers all have sort of thick eyebrows, if that makes sense, on top of them. That sort of wispy grass. They just look so nice from from the fairway. Just get, it sort of blends in with the rough. So it sort of um, you can sort of navigate your way down the hole off the tee, just looking. Um, I remember that. I don't think I went in many of the bunkers, not because I was hitting it well, but just because I avoided them in the right places, I guess. But I just remember the visuals of seeing all the bunkers. They just looked amazing. 
That was a course that I, I found it the most challenging of the three, and it was the most. It felt like the e, the smallest slip up meant not bogey but double, and maybe that was just my lack of ability to scramble. But it the 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 bad shots I felt got punished deservedly so very harshly, uh, which is it's oh that's a that's a fun challenge. I don't mind that with a golf course. I don't mind getting punished, but at the same time, like we didn't spend time looking for balls. Like the the rough was kind of dialed back. The 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 really long stuff was findable and like the that, that kind of rough that if you're in it you're not able to just blast a six iron out of you're probably pitching somewhere but you can find your ball and that's a huge difference maker but the greens were some of probably even in late april probably the best links greens i've ever putted on oh they were great and i, mean, I think again Stephen probably just being a bit straight i think we asked him before we even got into the first house you know how's the nick of the course how's it looking and he said oh the greens are sort of coming into condition and they're not yet there yet and then we get up on the first hole and it's just like a snooker table you're putting on and it's just they're just they were perfect the whole way around and they're sort of funny to look at they, they maybe have the lines on them and, and don't look as as you know polished as you know augusta's obviously a poor one to compare to but their roads just i mean we putted terribly on them so even if we had no excuses though they were running so good yeah, and it was the, the the shadow cut in the fairways, and that just that's the most vivid thing that sticks out to me is how how light the right sides of the fairway were and dark the left sides were, giving you such a good target line and uh, some really dramatic holes going back, facing the mountains, coming back like the ninth hole and the fourth hole right. as we mentioned, just had unbelievable sight lines when you hit the tee shots on those holes and seeing the ball up against the background of the mountain and the the, the trage that goes with those that was. That's that's those are images that, that really stick with me. Yeah, I think the, the stretch of four to ten. So four is the first part three when you turn to come back towards the clubhouse and the mountains, the mountains of Morn as they're called, and and then ten is from the clubhouse to is like a short part three back out, like a hundred and eighty yard part three or something. That stretch of holes is just unbelievable. All the like you say, seeing the ball fly up against the mountains and the way that all the holes are so different and. And yeah, that that view when you walk over the ninth fairway, I think that you're on Periscope showing it to people. But when you walk over and see the two halves of the fairway cut in different shades, you've got the clubhouse right there, you've got the green and the mountains. That's you know probably one of the most awe-inspiring views of anywhere I've ever played, and uh, not helped by the fact that you smashed it about thirty yards past me. But glad you remember that part. I was wondering if you were going to get to that part. But <laughs> well, we uh, can get to the twelfth hole a bit later on if you want. Oh God! What, what happened on the twelfth? <laughs> Is that so, the one? I'll, I'll tell you two twelve. I'll tell you two twelve. Twelve's a, a par five. It goes uh, away oh, from yeah. away from the clubhouse. It's a little downwind, and Stephen was he gave us some good advice here. He said, you know, you get a good drive away, you guys will probably have a wedge in because you know, we're teaser up a little bit downwind. You can kick off the fairway, so keep it really nice drive uh, just up the right hand side of the fairway. Uh, then you went up and you'd been tuning in your Callaway driver all day, and finally got one that absolutely sailed. You know high trajectory right down the middle you know t was picked up before you'd finish your follow through and there's twirls and pimp steps all over the place and <laughs> and then you <laughs> I, I could barely tee my ball up because you and steven were just raving about this tee shot so I, I didn't wait for you to to pipe down i just went up and sort of back footed this driver a little bit and tried to get one running and hit this great shot and it was i think i'd said tough crowd or something because i didn't get a whole lot of love for it but it headed down the middle <laughs> and then we're walking down the fairway and me and Keith are walking ahead of you, and I've mentioned this to Keith, I haven't mentioned this to you, but you and Stephen are talking, and I think tour player trajectory was one of the quotes. 
coming from behind us talking about uh, Stephen saying that. Was, I mean, that must have carried 290 in there. That was perfect. So we get up and there's a there's a ridge. I don't know how far it is off the tee. And there's a ball on top of the ridge and then about another 30 yards down below the ridge, closer to the green, there's another ball. And me and you, we didn't even debate who it was. I dropped my bag. I found my yardage. We are chatting away and then I looked down and see it's a Callaway ball. And I said, Chris, that's your ball. And you looked at, you didn't even look at the ball. You just laughed, thinking like, there's no way. And then I was like, uh, I'm not joking. That's your ball. And you got me. Like, you caught the slope and got me by 30-plus yards. And I thought you were just trying to get me to look at the ball, and that's what you were going to get me on. But I got it. This is a little bit of revisionist history with this story. Mostly accurate, but as soon as I hit it, I said I mashed it, but I was like, that's not the optimal ball flight because it was a little spinny. It got a little high up in the air. Um, okay. But then that was that was what encouraged me. I made a, a, a illegal adjustment to the driver, switched out the driver head actually because I said this yeah. is not the optimal ball flight for. But yeah, that was a, that was a little damaging to the ego. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I thought I had you in distance. Just we had not played. I mean, it was, we only played nine holes, and then I don't think I really outdrove you the rest of the trip. So my uh, my ego was heavily damaged after that one. But speaking of Callaway, right on cue. One of the perks of being a Tor Pro is unlimited access to customized equipment. So starting today, Callaway is expanding the Callaway Customs option to include the new Epic drivers and golf balls in addition to the Mac Daddy Forge wedges. I've seen the pictures of of the color options you have to customize your Callaway Epic. Uh, I have two of these drivers, and I'm still somehow jealous. Callaway Customs is the most complete customs program in golf. You can choose your paint fill, weight, port, colors, and throw in some custom stamping in there for good measure. Head to callawaygolf.com customs. Use the intuitive tool to design your driver, golf balls, and or wedges today. Um, I love the 16th hole. That was a lot of fun. Drivable hole. It's drivable for the, the pros oh, as well, right? right? Yeah, so the Irish Open, they, I think they only played the tee back, which back is only... 360 or something and you sort of lay up to a sort of knockdown wedge but i think three of the days they pushed the tee up and it was i think it's only about 300 to 320 maybe that tee is and we were down at the front front of that one and i mean trusted who we were playing with there was no way that we were hitting anything other than driver so we all teed up there with driver and great hole i mean one of those holes that you can't not go for the green but if you go for i think we both hit good drives and were i was a little left of the green you went you had great shot it looked like it was going to be 10 feet away and rolled through the back and then you're just facing just brutal little chips with roll-offs from bunkers and tight lies and you know you can easily easily make five or you can hit one good shot earns you a three and that's just this every links course needs holes like that and that one definitely stands out i can't remember how we did i managed i think i hit my chip too hard and ran through the back and then i managed to get up and down i think you Oh, you chipped it and then two-putted from there. Yeah, Um, so my Instagram caption said that I drove the green, so thank you for calling me me out on that. you got to give me a heads up on all this before we start. (laughs) Well, in fairness, I drove it over the green, so I didn't feel like I need to clarify that, but I more just wanted to post that because that that was my club twirl and my sauce of the week. Uh, yeah, but I, I didn't. I was. I did. I couldn't figure out what to do with it because I was three putting everything from off the green. So I tried to chip that, and it's one of those links shots you're not supposed to hit. And uh, and I asked Stephen about it, and he's like, I would chip this, but he's also a plus one and knows how to <laughs> pinch it off that turf. And I chunked the chip, but I did get it down in two for par. But um, 
we finished just as about the as the rain was about to start, as was the theme for the trip, <laughs> and uh, headed inside. Super quiet clubhouse on a Friday night, at least in the visitors' room. Uh, no other way to finish around in Ireland than a pint of Guinness. Had a nice view of the course. There weren't too many people out there at that point, but uh, we wrapped it there, and then got the recommendation from Stephen to head to Quinn's Bar. Was the mm. name of the of the bar. Got a, I don't know how old we are getting, but it was a little loud in there for me. Yeah, I think we were probably double the average age, and that <laughs> probably gives you an idea of what it was like. Stephen used to work there, so I don't know if he's still on a commission to get us there, but I mean, it's a cool bar and a great pint of Guinness, and actually the food was phenomenal. I remember sitting in the back, and the food was great, but I think Keith put it right in that the second our last bite of food went in our mouth, the lights went out, the strobe lighting came on, and the music was doubled. Yeah. And it was it was a rather odd setting. It was not our scene. We were not there long after that. We had down the street, had a few more pints, shot some pool. Um, shout out to Stephen, though. That was, a, that was a really fun walk. I wish he could have played with us. That would have been really fun. Yeah, and, it was cool. Uh, I, think he, I think he said he was maybe going to be playing that afternoon if he wasn't uh, walking with us. And we, I wish we'd sort of convinced him to, to take his clubs. He'd just been playing some amateur events and... I think him and his girlfriend are just opening like a cafe restaurant nearby, kind of dine. So next time we're back, we'll we'll stop in and see him and see if he gives us an honest appraisal on whatever he's cooking. What was the was it called Railroad Cafe or something? Oh like yeah, that? Railroad. I think Railway Street. Railway it was on Street. Railway Street. That's so right, yeah, he's yeah. a couple of months from opening it, but it was great. And yeah, I think the second the Donard Bar was the second bar we went to and had had a few more Guinness and a, a little dram of whiskey as well. And uh, the perfect setting of playing pool and then seeing the miracle of Medina come on the TV right next to it. <laughs> That's with what you I knew to call it. There. I no, it was, I had to call uh, it there. I, it was absolutely co- perfect. Also cool. Uh, we found out about halfway through the round. We started talking about it. Uh, Stephen was a no laying up follower already following us, which was, that was kind of a cool moment that uh, during that walk out there on top 10 course in the world. So uh, yeah. yeah. Awesome day. Yeah. We had a few pints. The next morning. <laughs> the dark period of Chris Solomon's trip. It did not go well for me. It, it was improportionate to the, what, uh, the amount we drank the night before. My hangover was through the roof. And I woke up <laughs> fine. It wasn't a big deal. I woke up. I was like, well, I could, I could use an hour more of sleep, but I'm not going to get it. And went down, stuffed my face with some breakfast, didn't think anything of it. And then we got on the road, and I just stopped talking for a while. <laughs> Yeah, and I, we had we had about what we we hit the road early. I don't think we did anything. We had a pretty long drive. I mean, it's it's about an, so. Just if people don't know, County Downs about it's in Newcastle, which is about an hour south of Belfast, and Port Stewart and Port Rush are on the north coast, which is about an hour north of Belfast. So we had to do that whole drive. So we filled up the car and drove for probably the best part of two hours. Um, Chris nominated to sit in the back, sort of man marking all of our golf clubs that were on the on the spare seat in the back and you made it through 20 minutes of chat and and offered up some taylor swift songs and then you uh you just nodded off uh for a little bit trying to feel better yeah it was not good <clears throat> when we stepped foot on the premises though the dunes of royal port rush brought me back to life and yeah. uh <clears throat> we hit a few balls on the range um got sorted met our member who invited us out for the day david mulholland and oh, thus began the legend of david Oh, David. Where do we start? We had a wonderful lunch in the Scaries room upstairs. I'm sure, I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Scaries? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Scaries, the islands just off of Port Russia, That's as right. David told us later on. Of course. Yeah, you, we learned that. <laughs> um, made our way. So 
was funny. We had lunch, and then you know David introduced me to a couple members. He's like, oh, like a, a table of four people. He's like, oh, you've heard of no laying up, right? <laughs> four of them just looked stone faced. So absolutely not. No one had, no one had heard of it. It was painfully awkward, but I was laughing. I was like, yeah, it's not, it's not like that. So uh, where, so that moment was about five minutes before undoubtedly my favorite moment of the trip and the moment I'm going to tell people about for until until I pass away and so we as you said David sort of was introducing you to guys me and Keith went ahead sort of changed our shoes we walked over hit a few putts and then the first tee sort of between the clubhouse and the starters hut uh, right out in front cool little setting for a first tee shot and the, a few people milling around they just had a competition go off a members competition and there's a few caddies and starters uh, around the hut and so David's walking up with you, and uh, there's a sort of youngish guy sitting on a bench with his headphones in, and uh, David walks over to him and says, oh, this is Chris, Chris Solomon from, from No Laying Up. You'll know, you know No Laying Up to this guy with his headphones in, and he said, no, nah, no, nah, I don't know. He said, yeah, yeah, you know that podcast, you know, you, you know you, they do cool podcasts, they got a blog, and he's like, ah, oh, sorry, sorry, I don't. And it's at this point that David then decided to introduce this guy to you, uh, in in that order, and his name was. Do you remember his name? Uh, was it Dunbar? Something Dunbar. Al, Alan, Alan Dunbar. Alan Dunbar. I was going to say uh, Alex. Yeah. Twenty uh, 2012 British amateur champion, <laughs> best golfer in Britain for a year of his career, one of the best amateur golfers in recent history. Played Walker Cup and is a member at Royal Port Rush, and in that order was introduced to you. <laughs> I just I, I couldn't believe it I, I absolutely couldn't believe it I was dumbfounded before we even teed off but I think it just shows how much David was a fan of no laying up but I felt oh, bad for Alan so I was taken aback too I was, I was not a, it didn't it didn't you're right it didn't like the order of operations did not flow right there and I was I didn't know what to say after I was like, oh you're the British amateur champion I had no idea but um we thus we began our round with David and uh David had just had back he had back surgery or just back problems I forget um, uh, yeah I, I don't remember he said he hadn't played 18 holes of golf since July I think he he's played a few holes his son golfs he was playing in front of us but he hadn't played 18 holes and said his back he, I think he told us over lunch you know I'm not sure how 18 holes are going to go I might I might not be able to play them all so um and then of course first tee is sort of a straight par 4 up the hill he takes out his driver and just pipes this mid-height two-yard draw right down the middle. I think then we cracked the joke that beware of the injured golfer, that we thought that was going to be like maybe one or two good drives he's going to have, and little did we know. It was a ball-striking extravaganza. So to give you an idea of what David's ball-striking was like, at the end of every round, we, I always do this thing with whoever I play with. Everyone goes around and picks their best shot of the day. For David, we went around the table to try to try to pick his worst shot of the day. And his worst shot of the day was on a par three that was also the best shot of the four of us. Yeah. He yeah. plays off plus one. He didn't – he made two bogeys, two birdies, I think, if I was keeping the card right. And it was just an exhibition. The guy was down the middle of almost every single fairway. I think he missed one fairway. And yeah, the one fairway he missed, he, he put it in a – in a bunker i don't think he thought he could reach and it, it just trickled in he had to chip out and then he, of course he hit a pure five iron onto the middle of the green and two putted like every other hole and he even on the 17th hole he reached for the driver off the deck absolutely oh, smoked my. it almost got on the green and like we asked him about it and he's like oh yeah that's always the shot on this hole 
<laughs> I think I don't think Keith could believe what he'd heard. He said, "Yeah, that's always a shot on this hole." It's, 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 to explain it, it's like a straight par five. You have to avoid this huge bunker on the right hand side, and David's in the middle. And there's two bunkers on the left hand side, two bunkers on the right hand side, and basically you can't miss left or right. But there's nothing short. So I think David's explanation was that you can you could top it if you wanted to 200 yards down the middle, and you'd be fine as long as you hit it straight. But for no one else in the world is driver always the play, but that's that's David for you. Yeah. So a little about the course. Um, I know a lot of people are asking questions about it. I heard like basically someone tweeted me um, even like as of last month, it basically resembled a building site. Um, they are hosting the 2019 Open Championship there, and as part of the uh, I guess agreement or the you know the RNA bringing this back to Royal Portrush. A lot of changes have been made to the course that are basically brought in by the RNA. The RNA came in and said, we're going to give you these two holes. The Valley course basically had to sacrifice two holes, I believe, is what David told us. Yeah. Uh, yep. The 17th and 18th holes currently on Port Rush will be uh, destroy, uh, destroyed, taken away, or used for um, an, uh, other – I'm not sure exactly what they're going to use it for. for the I think open. they're going to put the Spectator Village okay. where the 18th hole is. It's yep. just next to the road. Um, they are two of the probably the least scenic holes out there, and they added two holes near the ocean, um, in uh, along the coast. Right, they're, they're going to be the seventh and eighth holes, and they look incredible. Maybe because no one's played them yet. Maybe somebody has, but they're not open for play. At least for us, they weren't. And the turf looks incredible. It's a, the first, the seventh is a par five, kind of a double dog leg, uh, right up against a huge like seventy foot dune. I couldn't stop looking at this hole. We went out after the round and took drone shots of it just because of how awesome this hole looked. And that, I, I shouldn't have jumped straight to the holes that we didn't play because the ones we did play were pretty <laughs> awesome too. No, no, I think, I think you're right though. That I think David had said that somewhere in the region of like five to eight million pounds has been spent on the course and it's all these tiny little changes they're making for infrastructure. I think we saw uh, like a half million pound tunnel they built between a few holes to help with the sort of footfall of traffic and and obviously those two new holes that sit out by the coast, like just next to some of the biggest sand dunes you've ever seen in the world. And I, I mean, I was—I don't know how you felt about it, but when, I'm, when we were saying having lunch and they were telling us the story of it, I, I didn't know how members would react to that. That uh, you know, the open come in and they say, right, we want to play at your course, but we want to change it. You know, I didn't know if the members would think that no, you're coming to our course and it's been our course for you know hundreds of years and you're not—you can't change it. But it seemed like all the members were behind it. And there's no doubt in my mind that when those two holes get put in post-open, so after 2019, the course will be ranked even higher than it is now. I mean, those holes look absolutely stunning, and I'm sure we're about to talk about some of the other ones. But um, I'll give a spoiler now. I think if I was going back, Port Rush is probably my favorite. Um, County Down was dramatic and spectacular, but I just absolutely loved all the shots and holes around Port Rush. I can't. I actually would love to go back when they have those new holes in place and go and play them as well. Hmm. I wonder why you liked Port Rush so much. Hmm. Maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll get to the fact that you shot one under at from the back from the furthest back tees on a pretty windy day at Port Rush. But we'll get, we'll get to that. Okay, uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, the first two holes there weren't a ton to them. Um, I'll, we'll just ignore my triple bogey on the second. The third hole gives you your first view of the sea in the distance, a kind of a cute little par three with uh, with mounds on both sides to give you a nice little visual. Yeah. Then the fourth is a nice par four, long par uh, four, um, the OB framing to the right, and, I mean, just a real strong two-shotter. 
I think I think four honestly is probably. Um, I don't know how it's viewed overall, but I think it probably gets a bit overlooked. And David gave us a good tip at the start. Said that, and very different to to County Down. You tee off right next to the ocean. You can hear it, and right. if you slice one off the first hole, you could probably be on the beach. But you don't really see the sea a lot after that. You sort of in amongst the dunes and amongst the holes. Whereas Port Rush, the first three or four holes, you sort of climb up. And every hole you're getting a slightly better view and then that i think is the third tee we sat and took some photos there you've got this huge vista of you know because it's not just port rush you've got two courses at port rush there's a nine hole there's a little par three course and then there's a g max home club that's further along so it's just all, almost all, everything you can see is these golf holes in amongst dunes and when you get to to that fourth hole in terms of co- like course design i'm not a huge you know architect nerd but like you said, it's tight out of bounds right, and you're pointing towards it. Deep bunkers left, and a long par four. So it it forces driver into your hand if you want to make par birdie. But you've got to take on the bunkers, and I, I lost my little right and ended up on the bank just short of out of bounds and had no shot of going for it. But I can't wait. That's probably I'm sure we're going to get onto the fifth that everyone talks about in holes later on, but. I can't wait to watch how players approach that in 2019 aggressively because we all sort of, I think almost, I can't remember, we all had sort of 100-yard shots into that hole, a really cool bowl green. Um, I think, to be honest, one of the probably top two or three holes we played on the whole trip. Yeah, and it was, it, it's not, it, it, like you said, it kind of maybe gets overshadowed because when we get to the fifth, you, the views come in. It's it's not a great, like necessarily a great view hole, but it's just a real strong golf hole. And yeah, I like dog leg left par fours like that, or kind of. It's not even a dog leg left. It just kind of sets you off to hit a little mm-hmm. right to left shot to that green guarded by the dunes. And I mean, it was I I flushed a drive and still had six iron into it, and and we weren't even playing it from that far back. I mean, it's it's yeah. a it's a golf hole, and um, but then yeah, you get to the fifth, and it's like the famous Port Rush hole. It's where all the drone pictures we took are basically from. Uh, like a dogleg right downhill, incredible view of the sea. You can see uh, like these giant cliffs up to your right. Uh, you can see islands in the distance. The scary. You can see the scariest from the, on that hole, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. From up yep. top, they're just sort of beyond the left hand side of the green from where you're looking. Yeah, and uh, and it's 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 maybe drivable in the right wind. We hit good drives, and we were a clean fifty yards short of the green. It's about three seventy nine, I think, the whole place or something yeah, like that. I'm so happy we hit good tee shots there. That's one of the one of the shots of the trip where you can imagine telling people about playing, and they say, "Oh, what did you do on the fifth? And I'm glad that I can, or we can both say we piped it right down the middle. I'm sure we'll get on to what happened after that as well. Yep, Jamie knocked it on, <laughs> made birdie. Uh, I, I, I had double. I made two triples in the first three holes, so I was a little rattled, uh, and I was able to roll in a birdie that I thought was going to calm me down, but it, it most certainly did not. And so Jamie and I played off the same handicap for this trip, and you wiped the slate with me by 13 shots at Port Rush. So. Uh, later we determined that we don't, we probably are not supposed to be the same handicap, but, um, that whole, and then there's, so we get up there and there's like a wedding going on on the beach, like (laughs) right to the right. There's all kinds of people down on the beach and the sun popped out perfectly for that hole. Again, we got ridiculously good weather and that was, that was the most photogenic and like scenic hole we've played. The the sound of the waves coming up was deafening and uh, I, I wanted to, I just wanted to stay out there forever. We went out there and hung out there a little bit after the round. Just kind of taking in the sights, and that—that's one of my like favorite places I've ever been on a golf course. Oh no doubt, that was. I think I've read the you know the Dream Golf book about bending dunes, and I've read a few other books on course design, and they always talk about if you've got a plot of land next to the ocean, how do you build your holes? Do you 
get everyone out to the ocean as quickly as possible and play along it or do you play as many holes that are sort of like pebble beach that go along the water with the cliffs on one side and I remember them saying that almost every hole and I think Bandon did it pretty well that the spectacular hole is having one hole that just goes straight out and then playing your way along and having that almost infinity loop behind the green in the tee shot and like you said we I mean I, I think I took a video of standing on the back of the green when you were putting turning around and there's like you said there's a wedding going on on the beach there's tons of people out on the beach because it's saturday there's surfers in the water and then if you look out over the course you can probably see 50 to 200 people playing golf i mean it's like you said it was one of those spots we could have sat there for an hour just just in awe of everything around us and the whole lived up to expectations and making birdie doesn't hurt either I think and that's what I always say. I don't like to rank courses that we play because your experiences can be totally different with weather, who you play with, how you play. Yeah. And County Down, we had to roll out of the car, roll straight to the tee. We didn't get to play with a member. Uh, Port Rush, we got to go there early. We got to hit some balls. We got to have lunch, you know, in the clubhouse. We got to play with a member as a four ball. It just the whole thing felt um, it was it was a longer experience, you know. The ca- county down was by the end of the round. I was like, wow, that was that was it. Like we that was like less than four yeah. hours, and it was over so quickly. Whereas Port Rush, we just had a nice. We weren't we weren't we didn't play slow by any means, but it was just a, a overall experience that kind of kind of hits your senses in deeper than our experience at County Down. That's not an endorsement or a, a bad thing about County Down at all. It's just kind of the way we experienced it, and that was. And then, like you said, so that that right there, and I know it's probably hard to picture on a podcast, but so you turn right there, and that's where the seventh. So you you play a par three, the sixth par three back, which I love that hole too. I thought that was a great hole. Yeah. And then the seventh runs right along. You kind of walk a little distance down, and you'll play the new seventh as a par five. You won't quite see the water from that hole. It doesn't look like because it kind of sits low beneath the dunes that protect the the, the land from the ocean, but. And that, that, that whole setting there where you can see the new holes, you're on the fifth green, you see the 6T just kind of rolls into the 6T, that was, that was probably the, the, one of my favorite moments of the trip. Oh, yeah. The views from that spot. On the, I mean, the, that uh, new seventh hole, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't designed with Pro Tracer in mind, but if the open don't put Pro Tracer on that <laughs> hole, they're, they're out of their mind. I mean, that, the massive dune on the right-hand side, sort of uphill to the left is to the eighth hole, so sort of this valley that, like you said, meanders back and forth had a huge new bunker that looked like it had been there for hundreds of years, sort of uphill. I mean, if it, I think we said if it's playing into the wind, it's like a four or five shot par five, it looks like. I'm sure they'll they'll handle it pretty well. But just one of the cool spots on the course there, of which there's, there's quite a few. And that's one thing, if you're looking at all these courses, and I, I think we spoke about it, you know, we debated over a pint at one point, sort of best views on golf courses and things. And just little spots where you can, you could, if you were waiting, you didn't mind and you could take your time and, the one thing that I felt we got with playing with David and, and having the day, we got to feel like what it was like to be a member there. Yeah. Um, some of the other courses you feel like you're visiting and you don't want to sort of overstep the mark in certain ways. But David made us feel at home with the with the lunch before and getting to see inside the clubhouse. You know, we we rolled into <laughs> we rolled into the members' locker room without knowing if there was anywhere else, and luckily we were we were meant to be there. But um, just a really cool experience to see what it's like to be. A member there and get the feel and take our time and go around and like you said the weather was like ridiculously perfect i think at one point we could have had shorts on it was just it was just amazing but yeah those views on on that little stretch of holes was, was something i'll never never forget 
Yeah, and that's I feel like you know we spent a lot of time talking about those, but it didn't it didn't stop there. I mean, I think the front nine is maybe a bit more dramatic, but there was also some great holes on the back, and I, I, I'm struggling to remember specifically the whole numbers. But what what was the par three calamity? Yeah, so calamity's 14, and uh, I was I was I was talking to my dad. He was asking all about the trip. I think uh, just after I got back last night, and the holes 13 to, through 16, which um, as you explained earlier, 17, 18 are, are getting scrapped for the open course so they'll actually finish on 16 as it is now so that this will be the sort of final stretch of holes and 13 if you remember is that almost semi-blind nothing much tee shot you sort of hit over the top of a hill david said just keep it to the left side we all hit good tee shots then you've got this really cool into the wind infinity green shot i think they removed gorse behind the green so it's a really cool visual into this kind of small sloping back to front green that was a great hole Again, one probably one of my favorites on the course, and then you go on to Calamity, which is this really fa- it's probably the most famous hole at Port Rush. It's got a huge ditch, grassy ditch before it. And I don't know about you, but I remember when it's a little like uh, playing 16 at Sawgrass, and when you're playing the hole before, you sort of take a peek over at the par three because mm-hmm. you know it's coming. You've yeah. heard about it, and I, I think I dropped my bag near the tee and looked at it, and then we're walking onto the tee. I was expecting to reach for like a wedge or a nine iron i thought it was most of these holes i think me and you said that there's a hole really like it at trey lee where the the sort of big huge ditch and you got to carry it all to get to this green um but we got up there and it was i mean what was it like 205 yards maybe into a slight breeze from, I mean, from the white tees and the, yeah. there was tees behind us i mean those guys if they get a breeze into them from 220 230 it is all carry like if you're short or if you're even right a little uh, bit yeah. like you are in uh, in a and you're in hell like you can't get yeah. out of that or you're i'm sorry you're not there's no bouncing out of that like you are up on it and it could bound oh, no. down 40 yards if it if uh, if you're not careful yeah i think i think keith hit a shot there it was, it was a good shot it got caught by the wind a little bit just probably was two yards from being on the green pitched and went short right and to give everyone an idea david wouldn't even come down and he's the nicest man in the world he wouldn't <laughs> even come down and help luke because he was worried about his back going down that hill and your ball can chase i mean I think it was from the tee looking down over the right-hand side. It was probably like 60, 70 feet down to the valley course from there. So you felt really high up. And there's a really cool old-school Lynx par 3. Um, I hit it just left of the green. And uh, I think David said that was like, it's called Bobby Locks Hollow or something. They, when the Open was there, I think back in the 50s, he, I mean, he was one of the best golfers in the world at that point. He just aimed to miss the green left. He just took the right side out of play and just hit into that little hollow every day and tried to make par from there so yeah and so yeah like you said the 16th is going to play 15th is a really cool drivable par four it's 360 but the last half is just straight down the hill uh keith and i pounded on the green i i kind of i i, I was pretty pretty wimpy on my uh my eagle attempt but uh <laughs> then the 16th i think it was a really fun hole um yeah it's going to be the 18th hole Dogleg right, par four. The guys are going to probably have around around 190, probably about what we had into it because uh, we couldn't take driver on it. Um, and so the guys are going to be able to take driver from the from the back tees on it. Uh, and but you got to hit it like around. You're going to have a almost blind shot if you're too far right. And then you, there's these big mounds around the green that frame the frame the green really well. Uh, you got you three, Keith, you oh, and God. they've all hit these ridiculous long irons that all hit the slope to the right and bounded down towards the hole. Yeah. Uh, and you and Keith were in there real tight, and you <clears throat> you want to tell what happened? 
No, no, I, I want to concentrate on the design. I mean, this is going to be the last hole of the Open Championship. We need to we need to discuss what it's going to play like for the pros. And I'm sure they could have made that three foot putt, but I oh. certainly didn't. But but yeah, like you said, I think it'll be so much fun watching that. You've got that par three, the drivable par four that you guys showed what you can do there. I mean, I hit an, a decent drive. It went a little left of where David told us to aim it, and I had a horrible like 70 yard shot over a pot bunker that. I hit to like 20 feet and I was fist bumping because there was nothing else to do. And you guys both. So anyone could, you could probably see eagles there. You'll see doubles there. And then 18, like you say, you have to hit to the corner. I don't, I don't know that there's even going to be an option to go around the corner a little bit. So it's just going to be a ball striking test with that second shot. They're going to have to hit. Probably, I think it's into the prevailing wind. So like 190 yards into a wind to a sort of uh, semi-blind. Um, you can't maybe see the bottom of the pin, but and they've got plenty of room there to put the sort of huge stand. It's, it's not quite a right-angled 90-degree dogleg, but it's it's a pretty sharp dogleg, and uh, that would just be such a cool hole to finish on. And um, We got to play two holes after that, but um, that's obviously where the Open will finish, and um, I'm pumped to watch it. Yeah, so you play, You were coming up the 18th. Uh, Dave and I ran into the Rathmore Club real quick, so <laughs> I wanted to see pictures of, uh, of, of GMAX trophy and whatnot. And you were nursing that one under par round, and we oh. came back. First of all, Keith had ejected and hit one under the street. <laughs> and we came back. You were in the middle of the fairway, and then you hit just short of the green, and you left yourself about what, about an eight-footer, you say, on, on 18? Yeah. I, was, I knew I was, what it was for. I was nervous yeah. for you. I was So I was one under on 16, hit a good tee shot, hit a lucky approach there, went to three feet, got nervous, pushed it. 17's a par five. I just didn't play well down it, but managed to make par. 18 uh, is a tough tee shot. There's gorse left, bunkers right, and wind going left to right. And I just crossed a drive. I mean, I was, I don't, I don't have a club twirl game as such, but I think I automatically club twirled that one. I mean, I was just came right out of the middle, went down the middle of the fairway, and I was eyeing this nine iron down the pin, but came up short of the green, and I hit a putt. Yeah, I hit a putt to about seven or eight feet, and. You guys all putted out, and I think you were walking behind me to go get the pin, and you just said, "Roll it in, Jamie." Right. I I knew exactly that you knew what it was for. <laughs> I knew. I mean, I now know what the pressure is like to make the cut. I felt like that. I felt like I had this to to earn my paycheck for my family, and I I was I was going back and forth over it, and uh, whatever I did with the putt, I managed to sneak in the left edge, and uh, there was a little sort of by my by my pocket fist pump going on there and and you gave me a big high five and you knew what it was for so yeah i mean i think you're right in that courses can be skewed depending on how you played but uh it's just so rewarding to play well and uh round a course and it's a day that i won't forget and nice to make that putt just be honest you were happy to beat david which is miraculous I, after watching I, it. I, I had no idea i mean i think i said to you david said his lowest round was four under and I think I said to you after the round, what did he shoot like three, four under? And you said he was one, one over even par. I think. I mean, if I'd even, kn- yeah. If I'd known that, there's no way that part in the last hole goes in the hole. <laughs> I mean, out of pure uh, courtesy for his generosity, I would have probably tried to miss that on purpose. But uh, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I've, I've been saying David was one of the most impressive golfers I've ever seen, and that includes the fact that I've spent three or four years working on tour. He just such control over his ball, and just generally a nice guy. And I think feeds into a little bit of what you can expect from a trip to Ireland when you go inside some of these clubhouses and pro shops and bars and people are just are happy to, you know, be friendly, give you tips, you know, go out of their way to, to show you. And I think we got that the next day with Chris as well and uh, just shows you a little bit of what you get beyond golf when you go to these places. 
And well, we we know why they're happy because we found out in general what their oh. the general rates are that they pay to be members of this places. And if you're listening yeah. to this from the states, like it'll it'll make you nauseous. Like, yeah, you might want to skip the next couple of minutes because sometimes, yeah, it's it's estimates, <laughs> but it's not more than like an annual fee. Well, I don't want to say not more. I know that like for Port Stewart, or so, I think it's less than a thousand pounds annually. Uh, yeah, I think Chris said team. he he pays nine hundred pounds to be yeah. a member there, and he also said that when he was a student nearby, his his annual membership for Royal Port Rush, which is open course, one of the best courses in the world, his annual fees as a student were seventy pounds for the year. <laughs> I'm legitimately Maybe. thinking of becoming an overseas member somewhere just because it's so affordable, and it was, <laughs> and just so I can say that I'm a member at some of these places, I, I'm legitimately thinking about it. So yeah, and that was I think. I think that was a cool thing about Port Rush. I mean, we got it on a Saturday and they had a competition going on, but it was a bustling members club. There was yeah. the bar, the Scary's room that we were in before. There was lots of people in there. There was kids on the driving range. There was, you know, plenty of people practicing chipping. There was players playing the competition. They had their AGM going on there afterwards. The locker room was busy. It's just really cool to see a, a top course in good condition and but yet open that like all their members are playing. Everyone's smiling, friendly, waving. Everyone just yeah kind of knows how lucky they are. It was really cool. Yeah, I mean, we, that was that was a blast. And, and, and like I said, the, the course I, I think it looks they, for all the work they've done to it, redoing some greens. He's telling stories of yeah, they completely uprooted this green and yeah, just redid it. I thought it was in fantastic shape. The the peripheries of it like aren't perfect. Like they're doing still doing work with gorse, planting some stuff here, moving some stuff around. And kind of there was a little bit of a mess, but they flopped the seventh and ninth holes for us. But I think that's going to be fine. Um, yeah. And uh, I was I was really impressed by it. I'm I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see what they have. I think the one thing to to tell people is they're ever going to play, and we didn't really notice it until you know you asked if you could take your drone out afterwards, and we went down to that spot by five, and and you got some shots from there. But and I'd heard it before, but I didn't realize it when we we're going. But if you come to the course from I guess it's the east side, there's a sort of coastal road that you drive in, and you can turn a corner and you just see these golf courses down below you in front of the dunes we didn't get to do that drive but i've heard about it before and so if anyone's ever coming try and come in from that east road because we saw that probably the best light you could see it the sort of sun was going down as we were going parking by the beach there and it's just that view of port rush in front of you the valley course the par three course i mean huge big sand dunes beaches i mean it's just spectacular i mean i think our instagram feeds are full of it now but uh, really cool just to drive in that way if, you, if you're ever doing it. Awesome. And then, uh, so we learned Port Rush is big fans of arcades. It is basically a town, <laughs> a town full of arcades. Yeah, every second place it was uh, had like the you know, arcade games and machines and toys. And yeah, they must have got captured market if uh, everyone wanting to play them. Um, so we went out down at the recommendation of several people. We went to Harbor Bar, and uh, as a three, as, you know, rolling up on a Saturday night, three of us asked for a table. Uh, yeah, it'll be about an hour forty five minutes, which didn't surprise me based on how much how much it was bustling there. Um, it, it it was. I mean, so we we put our name in, went upstairs to the bar, ordered some appetizers, had some beers, and that that was the, uh, the most lively scene I I saw in our in Northern Ireland for sure. Uh, went down there, had uh, dinner there. It was a great dinner. Rolled up to the, rolled into the bar, the downstairs bar, and uh, was it you that you knew where Darren Darren Clark's spot was in the bar, his seat? Yeah, David had actually said when we were playing. So That's Darren's right. got a house just on the far side of Port Rush, and 
Um, he, it's sort of, I think it's Remore is the complex, isn't it? The sort of it's got three or four different bars and restaurants down at the harbour, and uh, he'd said, "Oh yeah, harbour bar. If Darren's ever in town, you'll sort of see him." And he's got a, he's got a spot in this in tiny little room, only fits ten people or so. There's only about ten seats, and we've just got lucky that, that we could roll in there. But yeah, that was his spot, and so we went in there and had a few Guinness and talked about our shops and David most of the time. Yep, Willie hooked, hooked us up there. I'll be definitely going back. I'm going back for the Irish Open, and I'm definitely going to be heading back yeah. to Harbor Bar. We got a business card, Willie. You got to yeah. save a spot for me. But he, f- he fell because we were sitting down and ordering, and I I got up to give an order, and it was packed. It was like three deep at the bar, and I sort of thought to myself, we're at a local bar. I don't want to order something, and even Guinness. That you don't. We didn't see that many other people drinking Guinness. We yeah. were in the minority. Most people drinking cider or having something else and and so i thought bushmills distillery is quite nearby and i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna tell you the honest truth now the only reason i ordered the 12 was because 10 was the youngest one they had they had ones all the way up to 25 i think and i i'm being scottish i just don't always order the second cheapest thing on the menu <laughs> <laughs> so so when i went up to order i said can i just get three bushmills 12 and he was like he stopped everything he was like now that's an order that is an order and he he poured it for me he came through and introduced himself he gave us took selfies with us gave us hugs poured us uh, another one gave us a free guinness sat down with us i think he remember he, he he bought a round put it down he was running around the bar i mean this bar was packed on a saturday night there's only two people working and we, we couldn't get him to sit down we just he kept coming over and saying hi then he came over and just downed <laughs> downed a uh, whiskey downed a guinness and then like shook our hands and went back to work he was that was that was planned. I almost felt like it was yeah. a legendary move, though. That must be his trick, right? Yeah, exactly. He had like thirty yeah. seconds to to talk to us and then went back <laughs> went back to work. But yeah, we had a blast there. That, that was that, that was, was a really cool fun vibe. So thanks to, to everyone that sent those recommendations. But uh, made sure I wasn't horribly hungover for our nine ten tea time uh, at Port Stewart. Met up with my good friend. Not my good friend. I've no, I barely know him, but he's a great guy. Chris McCourt, uh, who's a member there at Port Stewart. He and I played some golf together last summer uh, in Dublin, and we met up for 18 more holes. This is, Port Stewart's where they're hosting the Dubai Duty Free Irish Open this year. Uh, everyone had hyped up the opening tee shot, saying it's the most dramatic opening tee shot in golf. Uh, hands down, the best tee, opening tee shot I've ever seen. Oh, it was amazing. It was. I mean, we must have spent... 10 15 minutes taking photos and selfies there but just outside the clubhouse like you you don't really get i think we we were talking about it and i we both heard it was this dramatic opening t-shirt you don't get any sense of it driving in you park on the other side of the clubhouse you put on this tiny little putting green then you walk across and then you just see this huge drop in front of you down to a dogleg par uh, sorry dogleg right around the gorse and then the gorse meets the beach which meets the water i mean it's just unbelievable there was some cars down there, people hitting, and yeah, just the ocean to the right, the whole golf course to the left, and this huge drop, elevated tee. It was it was spectacular. The, the dunes there are second to Carn, I think, that the the biggest that I've seen on a golf course. They're massive, and they're they're also in the background framing that hole. Those first couple of holes at, at uh, Port Stewart were phenomenal. That opening <laughs> tee shot is great. The second hole is a is kind of a quirky little hole, but you're you're hitting a tee shot around this massive dune to this tiny little postage stamp green. The the Sunday, so I I, I said <laughs> something about the pins, and uh, I think a member responded to me saying, "Yep, those are the Sunday pins." They were barely on the greens. It looked like greenskeeper's revenge. And uh, I don't think we're going to see a lot of those for the Irish Open. Maybe we will. I don't know. Yeah. The pins were in some crazy locations, but. 
Uh, I thought Port Stewart was really fun. The greens had not quite taken full form yet. Then I then I imagine they're probably pacing themselves yeah. a bit with the, the Irish Open coming up. But there's some areas marked off where they, they think players are going to be hitting wedges from that you had to hit off plastic mats. But otherwise, I thought the course was in great shape. I mean, that, that was that was a tougher walk. It was a little bit more hilly, and those, the dunes there are especially dramatic. But uh, I mean, a great wrap up to the course. I think we we kind of all agreed. We probably wish we played them in reverse order, just because you, we literally played ten percent of the top twenty courses in the world <laughs> before we got on to Port Stewart. I mean, Port Stewart was fantastic. I really did enjoy it. I had a lot of fun, yeah. and we had a great four four ball. Um, and, and I don't know. That, that, like I said, it's just impossible to compare to those other two. But uh, so they have a lot of new tee boxes for for the Irish Open as well. Those those have taken great shape, and they look. Super green and like very aesthetically pleasing, uh, and again we again the tees are up from where we play where where the guys are going to be playing it from. We played as far back as we could. No, actually we played it one up there. I gotta I gotta correct myself. Yeah, we played whites. Yeah, but uh, what anything else? What what stuck out to you about Port Stewart? Uh, just the first eight holes. Um, I think we we were all sending pictures of the, the first hole, and I, one of the guys at Fujoy texted me and said, um, "Oh, the best opening nine in golf or something." And I uh, I didn't know what what we we're in for. In the second hole, I say it's just this amazing shot between the dunes. But every hole goes out between the dunes. Really cool par threes. Um, but those first eight holes generally probably some of the most fun golf i've ever played yeah um whether you're playing good or bad just the the challenge of the different shots you never you, you didn't hit two shots that were nearly the same over the first eight holes and and then you sort of come back to the clubhouse and go off onto a different part of the golf course it, and back nine is a, is a little weaker the last three holes just sort of circ- or go up and down come back to the clubhouse but some nice features in there as well but those those first eight holes are just just unbelievable um some of the views some of the dunes some of the greens um i'll remember the par threes always being like that and uh yeah a really fun walk um it'll be interesting to see how they stage it for the for the irish open um there'll be some really cool views like you said some new tees and uh, the greens will be in good condition when they get there but it, i mean on tv it, it could look absolutely spectacular with some of the angles that they can have oh it's definitely gonna look good on tv i think you, you, we, had, we had talked a bit about on this trip, and I know I just cited the top 100 list a couple times on this podcast, but how we kind of don't like course rankings because they kind of mess with your expectations a little bit. And going into it, we both, we both kind of wondered. We were kind of surprised that this wasn't ranked as a top 100 course in the world. I've definitely not played all of them, but it, it would not surprise me to see it on a top 100 list. I think you found one where it was ranked there in the 90s or something like that, but I was surprised it wasn't ranked higher amongst uh, Ireland golf courses. I, I've, I've only played I played maybe 10 golf courses in Ireland, and it, I mean, it ranks, again, I don't like ranking them, but right, right there in the middle, the middle towards the top of the pack of some of the best courses I've played there. I think that probably just talks into a little bit of how good all the courses are in that area. Yeah. I mean, we, everyone we played with said, oh, you, and I think you find it everywhere you go. You play the sort of headline ones that people have heard about, but there's little courses in between, and everyone, oh, you got to go play Castle Rock while you're here and Ballylithin and all these other courses. So, I, you know, the, like you say, the rankings are so just personal. I mean, you, you, what you like might not be what I like, and um, you just got to play as many as you can to get a, a real understanding of it and what you know so i really like I'm, i mean i've fallen in love with links golf after this trip again it's just really cool but it's really subjective and and up to each person and there's just there's so much to choose from and these areas of like you find in england and scotland and ireland is just so lucky and all the courses you've got here yeah go out and enjoy the walk and don't don't think about where you rank the course 
don't worry. I, I don't know. I, I just don't. Uh, and everyone always wants to know my favorites and, and rank my favorites. And I've, I've said this many times. Like, it's just about going out there and enjoying it. It's not about it meeting expectations or, uh, or you know, it doesn't have to live up to a certain height. Just go out. Do you enjoy playing this golf course? What kind of experience is it? And man, I mean, the three that we played here were incredible. All, all unique experiences. There's not a, a links course I've played in Ireland that. Like I said this on the trip. Like, if you plot me down in the middle of one of the fairways and had gave me two seconds to name where I was, I could tell you where it was. Like, they all have their own distinct characteristics and and quirks and gimmicks and and parts that just make them unique and so much fun. I mean, we, I don't know. I've gotten to be, I've gotten so lucky with the golf I've played just in the last two months uh, yeah. that I feel like I'm, I'm feeling like I'm getting spoiled playing all these golf courses. But I. I dedicating myself to not losing perspective on how special these places are and just true bucket list places to play. I mean, it's, I'm still on a high. We're recording this on Monday right after the trip. I was on a high all day and, uh, man, I can't wait to go back. I definitely want to go back to the area and play more. Yeah. We got to talk, we got to talk about the back nine as well. You almost had, um, the ultimate bounce back on the back nine there. I did. It got a little ugly. Well, (laughs) that's what I, 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 my game started to come together at the end of the trip and on 12, was it the par three? Yeah. I was posing on a on a nine iron that landed ten feet from the cup, but landed on the wrong side of the hole and fell back into a bunker that was really sandy. I took a six. It did not go well. <laughs> um, I made two. I birdied the next two holes are par fives, quite reachable. I birdied both of those and then stuck one in there on a par three to about five feet and gagged the putt. But um, yeah, game was starting to come together. I think I had seventy six. You had seventy four. And uh, we, I played off five that round. You played off three, so that was that was well handicapped. But you guys, you guys took me and uh, me, you and Chris McCourt took me and Keith down, and we had to buy lunch, uh, which we would gladly do because that was a I don't know that was a great way to wrap up the trip too. Sharing a, a pint of Guinness, great clubhouse view. You could see the golf course and the ocean from from that clubhouse. Um, a great locker room as well. Just the overall, just the presence and the feeling at all these places is just man. It's just kind of just. I don't know how to say it without sounding cheesy, but just like it just tickles your the golfer soul. Like it really is just a, it's a it's an experience. It really is. Yeah, and so you get so much from. I think you almost have to plan to have a bit more time when you go to these places. I mean, how long did it take us to walk down the stairs at Royal County Down, or how long did it take us to walk around the locker room in Port Rush? There's just these courses have so much history, such cool photos of. Uh, I, I, don't th- I think you were talking to the guys in the Scaries room, but when we walked out of the Scaries room, they had these amazing pictures of when the Portrush held the Open and sort of Bobby Locke and people like that were playing and the crowds, just these black and white photos, are just spectacular look-backs at, at the history of the courses. And they all have you know young pictures of Darren and Rory and GMAC and trophies and just really cool to walk around. So they, the golf at these places, like you say, the holes in the golf is one side of it, but the... The sort of banter you have in the bar afterwards, walking around the clubhouse, the feel, the towns—it's um, all in one, and it's—it's—it was cool to do it all that way and get recommendations and play with locals, and you know you get a lot of tips and from the followers and stuff like that. It just all came together, and you know, we're sort of pinching ourselves on the way home because we had, like you say, playing twenty percent of the top twenty golf courses in the world in twenty-four hours, and then having an amazing day at Port Stewart as well. It's uh, pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh... Man, it's it's pretty awesome. So special thanks again to Stephen at County Down, David as well for having us out at uh, Port Rush, and for Chris as well playing with us at Port Stewart. Um, and for anyone else that's sending tips or anything like that, and we're definitely gonna be back in the area, so looking to play some other courses up there as well. But uh, 
Dropped it off at Belfast International, and then it was all over. But uh, we'll always have the seventh, my friend. <laughs> we'll always have the seventh, and just as we were leaving, it starts to rain. So, it's <laughs> perfect. Your your uh, your good run of good weather continued. It was just it was a blast to be there, and good fun playing with you and Keith. And uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Cool, Jamie. Thanks for helping organize the trip. Uh, thanks for giving me the call to come along, and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Sounds good, man. Take it easy. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! 